put put that in the background a few few hundred times. <laughs> John, can you cough for me? What are you me? talking about? What are you talking about? Just trying to pick up levels. If you can give me a good cough. <laughs> <laughs> and hold hold your testicles when you do it, please. Yeah. Turn your head into I'd the I do mic. that anyway. You're listening to PHP Ugly episode 56, recorded Thursday, April 6th. 2017. Today we discuss AWS Lambda, lots of Laravel news, the ever-popular Doom and Gloom segments, and so much more. Let's get started. This is Eric Van Johnson, and you're listening to PHP Ugly. I'm here with John Condon and Tom Rideout, or John Rideout and Tom Condon. Tom I forget. Condon here. <laughs> <laughs> the intro gets worse and worse every week. You liked it that one week. All right. Yeah, it so was like question, week two. Question, Tom and John. In 1941, Joe DiMaggio of the New York Yankees hit in the longest consecutive streak of games where he got a base hit, where he got a hit. Do you know how many consecutive games he hit in? Six. 200. Yeah, I try to make this easy for you. No, 56, because this is episode 56, Joe DiMaggio hit in 56 consecutive games. <sighs> you didn't hear me say 51. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I try to set you guys up, try to make it as easy as possible. Is this going to be, a, is this going to be an every week thing, some sort of baseball theme to it's, the number? It's going to be a number. I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to do a number thing every week. I, I like coming up with uh, interesting facts about number. How, problem is, you probably spent five hours looking for that this, today. Hey, you, pay, you paid me for it, so it's yeah. fine. No, the problem is that he probably didn't spend any time on that and just list off the top of his head. It's just <laughs> filling space in his brain that could be used on useful things. Speaking of numbers, April 1st, we we recorded our last show on April 1st, and we didn't even make mention of the fact that it was April 1st because we had recorded late. But did anybody come across anything creative as far as April 1st goes? Nope. Negative. Yeah. I saw a couple things. There was a... There was a announcement of what's new to Alexa, and uh, what was new uh, to Alexa pet, was pet that Lexa. I could understand. What was that? Pet Alexa. Yeah, where I could understand your understand your pets. So I thought that was cute, but it was pretty obvious. So was, uh, Google's was pretty obvious too for their for their Google Home. They had now Google Gnome, so it was Google Home for outside. They had the Miss Pac Man maps. You know, that's always there, though. Like, yeah, but it came up, like, front and center when you pulled up a map. Yeah, the wife saw that. She goes, what's that? I'm like, oh, that's like an Easter egg that's always on maps. I don't know why it's there today. And then I realized, oh, okay, it's April 1st. It's pretty cool, though. I haven't seen that one at all. Yeah, I forget how you get to it. I'll I'll, I'll find it and, and send it to you. But I, I discourage April Fools in my house. Um, my my kids don't have a good enough sense of you to properly put off. <laughs> So they just end up doing something horrible to each other. Um, shaving cream in my wife's shoe one year was uh, a bit of a problem. But see, that's not April Fool's. That's just flat out a prank. Yeah, and it, it wasn't supposed to be her shoes. It's just that my son couldn't identify shoes. It's supposed to be his sister's <laughs> shoes. But my I, my favorite prank was when I... Uh, when my parents went to sleep one year, I took newspaper and I taped it over the door frame in our room. So when they opened their door, it was just a... What is wrong with you? Again, not a, not an April Fool's, more of a prank. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I, I'm not a fan of April Fool's. Me either. What have you guys been up to this week then, since that totally flopped? <laughs> <laughs> uh, more of the same. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, basically the same stuff as last week, uh, doing a homepage rewrite. And Did you get your database stuff figured out yet? Is it uh, finished? No, not yet. It's The script is finished, but we, we haven't you know mustered up the bravado <laughs> to actually run it. I, I think that's supposed to happen Friday. <laughs> Why not? Let's, yeah, let's do it on Friday. That makes yeah. the most sense. You, hey, you know you, my, my history. You and your Friday releases. Yeah, this my my employer really likes doing releases on Friday, no matter how much I protest. It just sounds like you're asking for trouble. It really, really does. is. I, I try to not even work on Fridays. <laughs> that is a good plan. Yeah, he's a genius. Yeah, you just don't Everybody work. You don't, you, you don't screw up your weekend if you don't work. How's my video? Quality Everybody hates today, Mondays guys? too. You're what? Yeah. How's my video quality? Is it uh, better than usual? No. It's still pretty You're just pixelated. as ugly as possible. I'm not I, sure I, you get uglier. I spent uh, a couple hours this week getting my router to support uh, smart queuing service, basically an advanced version of quality of service packet filtering. Mm-hmm. And I think all I ended up doing was lower bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> you need to spend a couple more hours there. <laughs> yeah, it does. It needs some tweaking still. I uh, I've been playing around with something for a while, <clears throat> so. Uh, a while back, one of our clients needed an IVR, which is the, you know, you call in and it's one of these voice prompt things where it says, hey, hit one to do this. We've talked about this in the past. Sure. And when I first did it, I actually didn't want to create an application. I found some uh, documentation online of people who are building these. And even the service we use, Twilio, had a tutorial on how to build it using Amazon, um, sorry, how to build it using Amazon's uh, Lambda service. So sometime back, we had a client who needed an IVR. And we talked about this in the past, but you know, the IVR is one of these prompt-led, press one to go here, press two to do this. And I didn't want to build a separate application for this. Um, so the service we were using was Twilio, which is a very popular service for, for this type of stuff and a bunch of other messaging sort of things. And Twilio had a tutorial on there about how to build the service using the Amazon Lambda service, which is this serverless uh, service that they offer. That's that's saying the word service an awful lot. But there's no server to manage. I mean, it's kind of like a Heroku where all you do is build the app and then you just deploy it, but it's even a little further abstracted from there because you're really very limited. Uh, Currently, you can only do, for the longest time, you can only do a Node app. Now I think you can do, or now I know you can do Python. Um, but I've been fascinated with this. So I, I tried to build this IVR using the Lambda service. And if you know how Amazon and permissions work, and you had to leverage this um, API gateway that they had just released, and everything just wasn't coming together for me. And I got frustrated after a couple of days of trying to do it, and just I ended up, you know, really building it in like a couple of days using Laravel. But I had to host that on the server, so now I'm managing the server and all this. But I I continue to be fascinated with this idea of building applications and not having to manage the server. <clears throat> so uh, I had been following this for a while, and this uh, f- framework had bubbled up around Python for it. And I looked into it. This happened a couple weeks back. I looked, I looked into it, and... Um, it was very complex. I'm like, oh my god, this is so freaking confusing. I'm, I can't get this. And keeping in mind, again, it's Python, it's not PHP. And then today, I come across, I discovered that Amazon themselves had developed a framework 
a Python framework to <clears throat> create these Lambda applications and deploy them. And I had the Lambda application up and running in like 30 seconds. Awesome. Now, so, last week you were complaining about the Stack Overflow survey having way too much Python. Yep, I, I, I agree. And, and I would love to know who I need to talk to to champion the idea of having PHP on this Lambda service. Because I think with, with Composer now, because I can understand initially why that would have been difficult, but now the way PHP uses Composer and the fact that there are these great micro frameworks like Lumen or Silex um, is the Symphony one. I would love to see AWS offer a PHP Lambda service, either using one of these micro frameworks or if they want to develop their own. I really can't think of a good reason why they couldn't do it. Uh, so if anybody listening to the podcast knows who I need to call, Send me their number. I'll call them and ask them. <laughs> Will you please support PHP? So this would, application this application you got up and running, was it just a demo app that you built you, or just their demo app and you didn't really customize it at all? No, no. Well, it was it was their tutorial and it was just basically a hello world. But the way I'm thinking about leveraging it, you'd be interested in hearing, John, <clears throat> is because we actually created a Lumen application within Diego Dev that all it is, all it does is simulate endpoints for us. Um, and, you know, we, th we thought about using a service for it, but it was just too, too much overhead. So it just seemed easier to, to kick out these Lumen endpoints whenever we were developing APIs and we needed to, we needed just to create the endpoints so somebody could else, somebody else could test something while we were building the actual application. But again, same problem, right? I, I'm hosting that on a web server. I'm having to manage the web server. I would love to be able to kick out these endpoints as a Lambda service and you know just have the guys deploy it to the Lambda service and be these dummy um, API endpoints. So that's one thing I'm thinking about using it for. But I'll, I need to brush up on, on some Python and see how creative I can get with this. So Sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> you're a waste of time. Right. Uh, hey, I got a funny email today, guys. What's that? Um, so I, I, I mentioned a while back about you, mm -hmm. their their whole competitive service, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it is it is a local service, so it has to, you have to have support in your area. Um, so I signed up to be notified when it was available in my area, and I got an email today from YouTube Television. Yeah. You know what it's saying? It's not available in your area yet. Yeah, thanks <laughs> thanks for your interest. It's still not available, but yeah. it's rolled I, out. Why did they bother? Well, because they knew you were going to hear in the news how it's been rolled out, and you're going to be like, hey, where's mine? <laughs> I, uh, it it but, took me like three times reading it to realize they were they were sending me a rejection letter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure hoping it comes to San Diego before it comes to wherever you're Colorado? at. Colorado? Colorado Springs. <laughs> Thanks. Colorado, Colorado Springs is, is too small. Well, we just passed legislation for uh, three hundred million dollars. <laughs> hey, you want to hear? You want to hear some 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 paranoid doom and gloom? Oh, I, I loved from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. now I'm excited. <laughs> so last year, I, I I got a truck, not a new truck. It it was a used truck, but it was new to me. It's fairly new, <clears throat> and I bought it from a pretty reputable um, used car dealer. Right? It's I think. It's a nationwide called CarMax, right? So they're they're yeah. they're pretty high quality stuff. And with the truck, I got a certain amount of time 
of Ceres satellite radio. And uh, of course, I let that I let that time run out. And right when I was coming to the end of my trial, was I was doing a lot of traveling between San Diego and Arizona. So I don't listen to the radio very often. But I did like the fact that when I did listen to satellite radio, there were no commercials. And I did like the fact that I could listen to baseball and football games between San Diego and Arizona. So I'm like, hey, I'm doing all this traveling back and forth. I'm going to go ahead and treat myself to this subscription. But that crap is expensive. So I, so I had only signed up for six months or something. I forget what it was. So it was some ra- random amount. And I did use it when I was driving back and forth. I listened to some ball games. And I listened to some radio. But for the most part, I listened to my phone. Like I have music on my phone or I'm, or I'm listening to podcasts. And I have Bluetooth stereo, uh, systems, stereo systems. So I just listen to that most of the time. So when I'm, when I'm not traveling, and the fact that I work from home as well, I'm not in the truck very often, I, I forget. I don't use it. And I ended up paying the, I ended up renewing it because it was on this auto renew. I ended up renewing it when I didn't mean to. So I'm like, damn it, you know, whatever. And well, that card had expired. So I started getting notifications from, from series. And this is getting long. I apologize. But I started getting notifications saying, hey, you know, act now because your card's expired and we'll have to cancel your account. I'm like, hold on. What? I I know what you're going to say. It didn't update the card. It updated itself. Negative. So Damn. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't use the service, and I actually just was ignoring the emails because I'm like, I don't use the service. Cancel the service. Well, I get a phone call from them, and they said, Hey, uh, there's an outstanding balance on your account. I'm like, I don't use your service. I've been getting emails saying that the card is expired, and you're going to cancel the account. Cancel the account. She goes, oh, well, there's a, there's an outstanding balance. I'm like, how can there be an outstanding balance? You pay mm-hmm. for the stuff in advance. I was like, I'm not paying you. Cancel the account. And this happened a couple of weeks back. So yesterday, yesterday, I'm in the truck with my wife. And my wife had driven my truck before me. And she had turned on the satellite radio. So I get in the truck and I'm driving. I'm like, oh, I'm like, the satellite radio is still playing? And she goes... Yeah, I'm like, I told them to cancel that. We're, I'm not paying them for this, and our our account's expired, so they shouldn't be playing anymore. I am not exaggerating. Like, five minutes later, it turned off. My <laughs> wife had been listening to it all the day. The previous day, she listened to it all day long. <laughs> We'd been in the truck for like 30 minutes, and as soon as I said something, five minutes later, it turned off. And then right after that, I get an email saying, Hey, uh, we've we've disconnected your satellite radio until you pay us. I'm like, wow, that was like some crazy, bizarre timing, man. <laughs> I thought about you when that happened, Thomas. Thank you. I this is why I'm starting my new line of tinfoil lined hats. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think I needed it. You just you the the goal is not to stop them from reading your thoughts. The goal is just to to set your mind at ease that yes, it was a coincidence. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. All right. I've rambled on way too long here, and we've got a ton of stuff to get through. The listeners either. So I don't really care. I don't care what you guys have been up to this week. We're moving on. All (laughs) righty. Sounds good. So, Thomas, I don't know if you've seen Teamwork, but we've been using that a lot lately uh, for our projects. I have not. I have not seen this. It's great because we get to invite our clients into it. They can see the tasks. They can create new tasks for us. But only in their project, not, you know, it kind of keeps things segregated that way. 
Sure. Take it from, so there's one thing about being a consulting group is we get exposure to a lot of these project management software solutions. And John and I have turned and burned through a lot of these. And Teamworks was the first one that we were kind of like, all right, this looks like he's got some features. And we pay for it. I mean, it's not a free service. There might be a free tier. I, I don't, I'm not even sure about that, but it's it's a service we pay for. Yeah. So I think it was just this week they released Board Views, which is actually Trello within Teamwork. Mm. If I didn't so, know better, I would have assumed they bought Trello because it looks just like Trello. I mean, exactly like Trello. Yeah, it's the same thing. You create lists, you move them back and forth. And we've liked using Trello for some of our for some of our projects, but Teamwork has more features. And now that they have this new board view, we're so happy with it. Yeah. And, and what's really cool about it is, you know, you create to-do lists. So you have a you have your traditional to-do list, and you switch over to board view, and all your to-do lists are, can, are now cards that you can drag over. It's really, really, really done well. Probably. One of the better implementations that I've seen, how, how how seamless they've made it with the rest of their platform. Now, Trello did get purchased. We covered that a while back. Trello got purchased by Atlassian, or Atlassian. Atlassian, yeah, the Jira, Bitbucket people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, so Teamworks, definitely high praise to Teamworks.com. I hate the fact that it's called Teamwork, because... If you ever, if you try to Google anything in teamwork, teamwork create card, teamwork this, it <laughs> it brings up everything but the damn product. But it's uh, teamwork.com and uh, great service. Uh, pretty much all the bells and whistles that you expect out of a PM system. Uh, it's just something about the ease of implementation. It was one of the few. The thing that drew me to it. It was one of the few PM systems where you could create a task and actually assign multiple people to that task, and tasks could have dependencies on other tasks that you mm. could define. It. It was. It was nice. It is nice. We enjoy using it. Uh, I actually miss it on the couple of projects that we work on where a client has their own PM system and and don't they don't leverage ours. We'd also like to thank them for sponsoring our podcast this week. <laughs> Teamwork.com for all your teamwork needs. <laughs> all right, so we got uh, a bunch of Laravel news. I'm going to rapid fire a lot of this stuff because there's not a lot of content around some of I'm, it. I'm upset that you put this first item on here at all. Why? Because the news it, it, is there's going to be news tomorrow. Well, but it's like a breaking news thing. Like nobody, no other podcast is going to be able to talk about nothing. Like something's going to happen. And we're <laughs> we talk about nothing every that. week. If you really need breaking news, we just launched uh, sixty million dollars worth of missiles at Syria. Hey, you slow down, Mister <laughs> Doom and Gloom. We got fun things to get through. Okay, so yes, Taylor tweeted at the end of the day today. April 6th, is it? I don't have my glasses on. That feels about yes. right. April 6th. Taylor tweeted, uh, have some pretty cool front-end stuff to announce tomorrow. And that's all he says. Sleep, hashtag sleep, sleep well. well. Bastard. Sleep well. You sleep well. But he, do- so, he does this to us all the time. It's never, it's not usually mind-blowing. This is true. This is true. Uh, you're a sucker for posting it. You're a sucker you're, for listening to me. You're, you're playing the sucker. You can game. edit it out, Mr. Editor. Oh, I do. I do want to take a moment to give you the tip of the hat. Thank you. I was very impressed with your with your editing prowess. I think it uh, took me uh, three hours. 
Hey, it's better than the first. I think the first time I edited the show, probably the first couple of shows I edited, it took me like two days. I mean, a solid six hours plus, and and they were horrible. Like, I go back and listen to our first couple of shows, and I cringe. I'm like, oh, God, that's terrible. So what you did is you did fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was great, great, great work. I, I agree. It's one of the first ones I've listened to. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you. It is absolutely the first one I've listened to. <laughs> I'm just trying to dig at Eric a little bit. <laughs> All right. So continuing on with the Taylor post, uh, and I, I'm bringing this up. This one up for a reason. And another post from from uh, Taylor that I think he posted a couple days ago. It might have been yesterday. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but he says, in the past two months, my position on Docker has gone from don't know anything about it to I have no comment on that, on that right now. Now, the reason I'm putting this out there is because you guys know, I'm kind of a, kind of a fan of Docker. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm kind of revisiting Docker for our development environment. I stopped using uh, homestead for my development um, for a while, I still have to fire it up for some very specific configurations that I, I always knew I was going to have to do that. And I really want to readdress that again in Docker because I, I had really made a lot of progress when I tried to implement Docker before. And I still think it's the best solution for our developers to quickly spin up a development environment because we have, for one of our clients, we have a very complex development environment, which includes a bunch of microservices, a bunch of different data stores. Um, So I I still feel like it's the better solution. But it was interesting for him to see that. And of course, now every time he posts a tweet, everybody references a previous tweet where he showed a logo for Horizon. And they're like, oh, what's on the horizon? And I'm like, oh, fuck, are they doing something with Docker here? What's the story? So I thought that was that was an interesting tweet from him. I'm, I'm really curious. Now, there is a very established kind of Laravel-backed uh, Docker configuration. Uh, I, forget, <laughs> I think it's called Laradoc or something like that. It, it's one I've used in the past. It's one I keep kind of going to where they kind of have all the components you, you could possibly want as a web developer, not necessarily even a Laravel developer. I mean, they have their configuration includes Nginx, includes Apache, includes MySQL, Postgres, I mean, Redis, just about every component you could possibly want as a web developer they have included in this repo. Um, and Taylor has has even called them out and said, uh, no, they do a great job with a Docker implementation. I, I don't see any reason to go down that route. But so there's there seems to be a lot of hinting around. I I, I submitted a pull request to a valet to do some um, stuff, and some of the feedback I kind of got on it was, yeah, I know something about this. Like maybe they knew that valet was going to start to take a backseat to another solution. Maybe that solution leverages Docker on some level. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very. My interest is perked on what this Horizon project. Now I'm, so I'm I very see. happy with Homestead. I, I told you guys uh, last week that I had a hard drive failure and lost my complete OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my, all my checked out Git stuff. Every, I lost everything and. Homestead was one of the easiest things to get back up and running, and I, I managed to get my whole system, my whole dev environment, rebuilt in just under an hour, including installing Ubuntu. Yeah, 
And it's Homestead, right? I mean, we call it Homestead, but it's a virtual machine. It's a virtual image. It's yeah. pretty pretty straightforward. There's there's some nice configurations. I don't have a problem with Homestead, so to speak. I mean, the, the issue that previously was that I, I found myself, I was always running that virtual image on my on my desktop. Now, I've actually since upgraded the RAM, but, you know, it's just, I, I didn't need that. I didn't need an entire virtual image running. So I'm... And it was still just one virtual machine, so you could you could spin up multiple virtual machines or multiple instances of Homestead and and you know play around with the ports if you want to, uh, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I, I I'm I like Homestead for what it is and for some of the for simpler development work like what you do, Thomas. It's probably fine, but when you get up with the big boys and do complex stuff, the big the big deals. Need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> have you guys started using uh, Laravel 5.4 yet? I have, and I started so, using the components and the new. Matter of fact, I just—I was just telling John I created a whole new login system that requires uh, email verification before it created an account for you. So I used a lot of the uh, new email features in Laravel 5.4. So one of one of the big things about 5.4 email is mailables. Mail used to be this sort of weird multiple closure uh, thing in Laravel, and now it's just a view. It's a it's a data view populate send. Um, so taking that concept, five point five has added theming to mailables. So now you can have whole themes that you apply to your your email communications. I- I can see that. I mean, again, we have a client who has multiple clients, and each one of those clients could very easily request their own theme to the email. I I can see that being. It, it would make some things nice if you were supporting a a larger number of sites. If you just had your standard communications, mm-hmm. such as forgotten password and things like that. Yeah. Um, my my only issue with it is I haven't even gotten to five point four yet. I I'm still doing the migration for that. You know, uh, it's it's pretty much done but it's a large production system we don't want to just push something out that hasn't had a hundred hours of testing on it yeah let me know how that webpack uh migration i oh god i haven't even thought about that oh yeah you better think about that one just the testing migration (laughs) was a pain because dusk took over for the old testing environment so all of your tests fail out of the box because the package doesn't exist that it used to run on so here's a question for you thomas oh god i'm sorry john I had a question for Thomas first. Um, so you you bring up putting 100 hours on it for, for testing. Do you have any sort of like beta server where you push a handful of your clients and then slowly ramp up that percentage? You know, right now we don't have A-B testing servers. Um, we just have a staging server, and then we have the, the world's most detail-oriented project managers that review the staging system. So, I mean, we're, we're talking one pixel of alignment wrong, and you get an email about it. Um, so that, that 100 hours that comes from our QA team, which is not a QA team. It's just a team of uh, very hardworking, attention-driven people. Oh, that's nice to have that. I've been considering for one of our clients, uh, we use um, HA Proxy, and we have a few web servers behind it. And I have a rule in there that if you have a certain cookie set that you'll go to another server. So I was considering doing that for uh, basically beta testing. Throw up new code over there, and I can force that cookie into certain users' accounts. 
yeah. and then hit the new server. We um we actually run a system right now that runs on a different subdomain, mm-hmm. and you can opt out of the new system's layout. So we ended up migrating everybody over, but there's a little div in the bottom that says, hey, don't like the new style? Click here to use the old style. And that runs completely separate code uh, or s- separate controllers on the same system. So for us, it's, it's not quite A-B testing because at its core, it's the same functionality. It's just the way that we're displaying it. And then some of the new features are only on the new system. Right. I really want to get my beta uh, testing in place. Like I said, I have it all working. It's just the code is so tied to the file system where they have people uploading files so right now on the, the cluster of web servers we have, they're using NFS, which is a big pain in the ass. Just slows things down on the console for us. Well, file, so, file system one, is simply the worst thing to work with. Uh, uh, every time yeah. I have to touch AWS file systems or cloud, any kind of CDN file system, it is a total nightmare. It's, it's a blind mm-hmm. push. That's problem number one. It, just the assumption that what you wanted to get there got there it, is terrible. Mm-hmm. And and then on top of that, Fly system isn't as intuitive as you would think it is. I've always had a lot of success with it. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Have you used it with AWS? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, it's only have, nightmares. We have a we have a nice little system. One of the coolest endpoints I think I've ever created was a stupid endpoint that you could do anything with. We 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 we've pushed files to it. We push payloads to it. We the Everybody loves this endpoint, and it's so simplistic. It's crazy, but I, I designed it so that you you could you could one of the definitions when you did a push was you define basically a name of the job. Essentially, is what it is. And so this this stupid endpoint, and I call it stupid because it doesn't do anything. It's just it's just an empty endpoint that you can push things to. Uh, you know, this the stupid endpoint fills up, and then we write jobs based on everything that was pushed to the endpoint. And one of the things, one of the things that's getting pushed now is our files, our image files. And then it actually queues up on the server, and then the server does a push out to S3. And it works fantastic. I'm real happy with. It. You're happy with it for now, but guess what? Hmm. That that fly system endpoint uses a now deprecated guzzle package. Yeah, we keep our and, we keep a close eye on the guzzle. Yeah, yeah. the guzzle spit us before. We're yeah. we're trying to get rid of it, but it's hard finding a solution. And it's so, I mean, once you have it coded up, it works so well, but it's the fact that they keep changing 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 it underneath you that that is so difficult. I I just don't like yeah. the fact that when I do a composer install, there's a big red message that says, "Why are you using guzzle still? Stop using guzzle. It's guzzle http now." Yeah, we've been using Guzzle HTTP for a while. Yeah, that was the first big. That was the first time it bit us. Yeah, so I could use your input on another topic, Thomas. Absolutely. And we are talking about a lot of development work here. I'm excited about this. John and I had a little bit of discussion. Not a big deal, but I pillow, pillow talk really. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, basically. I I expressed to John how I really don't adhere to cedars anymore like i don't see the purpose of having cedars in my repo what i've been doing lately is i define factories you, see, if I, what if you should have what you should have done was asking what he does to find out which one of us is right not necessarily right but just to you know now he knows whose opinion is whose i, I, was, I, I am loving say, this attention 
I actually, actually, whatever he said would have just proven whoever agreed with him would be wrong, right? <laughs> but that's what a trade I, what secret. Saying, You're not supposed to say that. Uh, I was telling John, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have cedars anymore. I do create the factories, and then if I need to populate data in a table, I'll go into Tinker and I'll fire off a factory for it. But I really don't like having cedar. And my my biggest complaint with it, or my biggest concern, which is really not even, to be totally honest with you, not even justified. It's not even like something that's happened to me in the past. And in talking with John, I'm pretty sure it, Laravel prevents it from just happening. But I told him I never wanted the cedars there because I never want somebody to accidentally run them in production. And like, sure. you know, talking through it. I'm pretty but it sure Laravel it doesn't. It doesn't let yeah, you. Yeah, Laravel prevents you from. But I just, I just told him, I'm like, I don't really have a need for actual cedars. Anymore. I just don't use them. I just rather run the factories myself by hand. Well, okay. So the problem one is that you're you're differentiate. You're not differentiating between cedars and factories. You're using factories as cedars, but they cedars true. cedars are not factory runners. They are not just a, a, a pipe to run your factory commands. Cedars can do a, a huge, huge amount of work. Well, any amount of work. Uh, work that factories specifically can't do. So in my environment, we actually want to use production data for our testing. Now, we don't want to use dangerous production data. We want to use sanitized production data. So we have a source database that we load up and then that we read... And then we read that source database into our factories. So our factories are populated by old data that we clean in our product in our run for seeding. Uh, on top of that, we do uh, sample image generation. A uh, lot of lot of pictures on my site. So we generate pictures from a faker image library that creates pictures of cats and nightlife scenes and things like that. And then we also do. A pretty good amount of logic in our cedars. Our cedars almost run as unit tests. So we reference a lot of the logic that we use for transactions in customers to create fake transactions that we use for doing our development testing on reports and things like that. So we're we're doing quite a bit more than just factory execution. Um, one of the most recent things we did was I, I had to create a seeder that executed at the end of all of our other seeders to populate some data that was in a, a pivot table. So I could just create the seeder, tack in some raw DB statements, and that was the end of it. Um, writing a factory for that would have been completely pointless because it would have taken twice as long and achieved the same thing. So I, I actually have in my current, my, my real monolith project, I have about 15 seeders. And they range from just being call the factory and exit to very, very large uh, communicate with other APIs. We have testing APIs on servers that we communicate with to make sure that our, our billing system is still functional. Uh, we receive successful bill callbacks, things like that. So factories are great. I've been using them a lot. But factories don't cover everything that a cedar needs to do. So, John, that goes to prove how wrong you are. I'm agrees <laughs> with you. Yeah, I guess I didn't take that. I, I didn't take that in consideration. I do know that there have been use cases in the past where I've used cedars in the in the sense where I've populated data in one table and then I've populated data in another table based on 
information out of that first table, which I could probably still do in Factory Ant. I don't know. I, I, I haven't had an... I, I don't feel like I've been in a position recently where I've had a need for a seeder that I couldn't just create a factory and run it my, by hand. Um, See, I, I still look at seed data in, in development of when I do a migration, I, I get my new tables. I seed it with data I need. I often find myself rolling all the way back or doing a reset, getting rid of everything and bringing it back, and I want the data there. I don't want to uh, refresh my database and then have to go run all of these factories by hand. That's that's another issue, too, is that we have an install command in Artisan. We have, an, we have a console command that does a flush of the existing database, a flush of all the caches, all the tags, and then it starts to process over our seeders, and our seeders actually use the uh, command line bar graph method. I'm not sure if you've seen that before, but our seeder at this point takes about 10 to 15 minutes to run. Um, your seeder takes 10 to 15, or the install takes 15 minutes? Our seeder. Our seeder takes 10 to 15 minutes to run. So having it report okay. on what it's doing while it's doing it is very helpful. You know, we're, we're generating in the area of 10,000 records with relationships in our seed. Hmm. So there, there's a lot. And if, and if I tell it to generate the images with the seed, then it can go upwards of half an hour. So yeah. it, th- it, there's definitely a use case. I mean, you know, and Tinker isn't even installed in 5.4 out of the box, although it should be because it's one of the greatest tools Laravel has. Well, it's 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 in the it's just a separate package, but it's installed out of the box. It's just a separate package. And while we're on the topic, we need to get moving along. Laravel five point four point one seven got released. There's a couple of new things in there, but but nothing ground groundbreaking. I'm not even sure where I would use stuff. Um, I'm gonna hand this over to you because th- I I don't care about like any of the next five tickets. Uh, they uh, you talked about uh, doing a refresh, which it's it's interesting. Taylor posted this in Laravel 5.5. There's actually going to be a Laravel. Uh, there's there'll be a migrate fresh, and the difference between um, tac tac fresh and tac tac refresh. Refresh runs through your migrations and does a rollback. So whatever you have in your rollback, uh, refresh will run the rollback. With tac tac fresh now, it's just going to truncate the database and get rid of all the tables. It won't try to roll back. And he acknowledges, he's like, you know, a lot of developers don't even use rollback feature in the migration. So you'll now be able to basically wipe away your database with a uh, with a fresh command. Uh, that'll be nice. I do want to kind of start to hustle through some of this stuff because we're getting late. And I do want to give Thomas at least a little opportunity to talk doom and gloom. Uh, WordPress, this is, this is interesting. So we talk a lot about WordPress and we try not to make too much fun of it, fun about it on this show. We try. But we have some we, we we have some WordPress clients, and I've never talked to a WordPress developer who doesn't feel WordPress is a struggle to work with. <laughs> WordPress, the the newest release of WordPress, actually creates uh, JSON endpoints for things like posts, and so I saw quite a few articles come by um, on leveraging frameworks like Laravel and CMS systems like WordPress, and then doing this mashup. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I'm sure they won't regret doing that at all. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Okay, uh, PHP Unicorn Online Conference continues to freak me out. Uh, terif- guys- it's terrifying. Dude, look at the speakers. Scroll down, look at the speakers. Oh my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Speakers have been announced for the PHP Unicorn uh 
online conference. They've got some great speakers. Adam Culp, uh, Adam Wathen, um, uh, I would Grumpy I would protest there. to this. I, if I was a speaker, I would drop out. This is awful. <laughs> and what what Thomas? You guys should just go to the website and look. But I'll go ahead and give it to you. each each speaker's uh, profile picture has a coming out of the forehead. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a unicorn horn. That's what that is. It's a unicorn horn coming out of the. That looks Adam Culp looks terrified. So does Grumpy. <laughs> It's just there's something about the bald head and the, uh, and the unicorn horn. I well, Christopher Pitt looks like a looks like a mugshot, a unicorn mugshot. <laughs> right, that's a, like a bad passport photo of a unicorn or something. The, oh God, the, they really have they have latched on. I'm hoping that they hear this and that next year they they up the frightening level by ten. This is entirely intentional, and they just like tie it in with the the release of uh, Stephen King's It. You know, just a hundred dollars for a one-day online conference. Oh wow! I thought it was fifty bucks. Maybe that was an early bird. Oh, I think that was an early. Yeah, bird. I saw a tweet about early bird. A hundred bucks for a one-day online conference. That's. I have a brilliant that's idea. That, that's Steve. See, I would say we should have a PHP Ugly online conference, but they stole our logo for a, a terrifying, ugly PHP online conference. It's nightmarish. We're... Hey. Why don't the organizers have unicorn horns coming out of their head? Because they're very, fully very aware of what they're doing. So they're... Uh, we're talking to these guys next week on on Lair Chat Lair Chat Live. Live. Yeah, Lair Chat Live. We're talking. To Drinking wine tonight. That's a change for you. I'm out of scotch. I'm very uh. disappointed. You guys had me drink all my scotch. I'm upset about it. I'm cracking open my. Uh, I'm no, cracking I'm open of, my Diego. I'm out of wine. What about your Diego Dove bottle? Uh, there. I'm cracking mine open this weekend. Oh, well, you should. Just well, be aware you, you won't be getting another one. <laughs> so, uh, was, you included a Pacific Northwest PHP conference on here. Is, is that recently announced? Because I see mm-hmm. it's not until September. Yeah, not until September. Uh, so, Pacific Northwest PHP conference has been announced. They, they have a they had a call for pap- papers out there. Still out there. But then I tried to get well. I tried to get to the link and it. Kept redirecting me to Seattle PHP's website. So, that is strange. Because the, the the link was uh, cfp.pnwphp.com. Is there another call for papers link on the page? I didn't look. Yeah, but it's oh, the yeah, same link. Call for paper. And Weird. It, and it redirects you. Yeah. Tickets aren't on sale so yet, not- so we can't give anyone the early bird price. Yeah, no tickets on sale yet. No, obviously they they just have the call for papers out there. So no, you don't know who's speaking. But I, I'm thinking of try, trying to get John to go to this one with me because we're looking to open up a donut shop up there. So I need to get John up to the Pacific Northwest and get him appreciating it a little bit. Mm, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I might, see, I, okay. I want to get he a conference I can meet he, you guys he, at. He says that as I literally have on my desk a stack of envelopes going to various government agents. Oh, God. <laughs> Freaking tax. Tax, IRS, Franchise Tax Board, Franchise Tax Board, IRS, Franchise Tax Board. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of checks going out. Mm, yeah. John's depressing segment. <laughs> you know what we haven't talked about recently? Another chat client. Another chat, yeah. Uh, we like chat clients. Mastodon isn't exactly a chat client. It, I, I saw it come across my Twitter stream a few times, so I figured I had to check it out. Uh, Mastodon is a... 
open source Twitter, a new Twitter that's open source. It seems to have a little traction. Um, I'm struggling with it. I went ahead and signed up. If anybody's interested, I'm Shokum on this thing. It's weird, though, because um, you have the ability to, to spin up a server yourself, or node. They call them nodes. So you have the ability to spin up a node, and you join nodes. Like It's kind of like Slack in that perspective, where you join certain Slack groups. Well, in this Mastodyne ecosystem, it looks like Twitter, um, it has a very similar layout to like uh, TweetDeck, but you join spe- specific nodes, and I'm not even sure how you do that. Um, there, there, it's you... it's supposed to be a federated system. It doesn't necessarily belong to anybody. It's right. They just so, want it out there. So it's weird because because you join these nodes, you have different streams you can see. So if you're looking at a public stream. You can look at what's called the local stream, which shows you all the Twitter conversation happening on that node. So the idea is, let's say there's a Laravel node. You can actually become a member of the Laravel node. And when you look at the local stream, you see all the conversation happening on that Laravel node. But as John alluded to, it's also federated. So you can also go to the federated uh, stream and a federated stream is a stream of all the nodes, public stream. Yeah, so, I, I, I like this idea. I, I actually really like this a lot. Um, it, it's gaining a huge following in China because of its sort of distributed nature. Mm-hmm. Um, my only issue with it is how well is it actually going to scale? Because right, right now, when you subscribe, when you get a Twitter API, if you want everything that's sent out, it's called the firehose feed because it's like right. drinking from a firehose. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how this scales out because Twitter, being the billion-dollar business it is, can afford to scale their code. But open source, I don't think anything open source has been tested to a scale like that. And one of the nice things is it, it calls itself a microblog, not a tweet. So instead of 140 characters, I think you get up to like 500 characters. So you can definitely get a good little portion of conversation in there. I remember when <clears throat> Google, what's the Google one called? Google Plus, right? It's still there. Google Plus is still a thing. Yeah, I got tired. I got tired of watching. I got tired of Google Plus because there was no limit, and people were just basically putting these massive posts in Google Plus. And I'm like, I'm I'm not reading all this. You know, it was like a, it was horrible. So it, it's good to still see that there's a limit. I'm glad it's over 100, 140 kills. I, I wish they would just bump that up a little bit, but. 500. I, I was reading through the public stream, and there was never an opportunity. There was never a moment where I'm, I was like, "Oh no, this is too much information." It was just 500 seemed to be like a good number of a small post. It, it was nice. I, I'm well, really well excited. Worth. I'm really excited for next year when they announce Usenet. It's got a. It's got an inherent character limit, distributed network. Uh, you can attach images if you UTF encode them or Y ink encode them now. Uh, it's it's a got a self-filtering system for groups and cross-posting. It's it's gonna be really cool when that finally comes out. Keep talking, man. You're 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 eating into your own time now. You're, you're killing it. <laughs> I, I I'm really excited about this next article because it's doom and gloom, but John submitted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I John. came across this one. And it's, well, it's interesting. Uh, somebody figured out that you can hack a smart TV over the air so you don't even have to have access to somebody's internet account you could drive by their house send out the signal basically take control of somebody's tv and the scary part is once you have high level access to that 
You, it's you're called inside a universal. It's called a universal remote. I do it all the time. <laughs> what do you mean take over the TV? So a lot of the new smart TVs have browsers built into them, and there are vulnerabilities within those TVs. I think the the article that I have is specific to Samsung, but they've shown it, it's capable in other smart TVs too. But by sending out this uh, this signal, you can basically take over root level access on the TV. And if it's connected to your home network, which it needs to be as a smart TV, they're now inside your firewall and mm. can start running amok. And if your TV has uh, a microphone or a camera, they now have access to that. It's mm. it's pretty scary. Mm. And and this really is an Internet of Things problem. Um, one, one of the things that, that I have always decried in my doom and gloom is Internet of Things. Uh, why is your washing machine hooked up to the Internet? That's how you have arson on a whole new scale. You know, uh, Another example of this was an Internet of Things garage door monitor. So this guy invented Garageit, which is just, a, it's just an IR camera. That makes sure that your garage door is closed. It's Wi-Fi enabled, and you can check if your garage door is closed from your phone. Someone bought one, couldn't get it to work, complained about it on Amazon, and the creator of it just cut off his account. Said, all right, you can't get it to work, fine. We're just going to kill the device altogether. So now he's got a dead device that, if he could get working, still wouldn't work because it's shut off from the cloud. And some vindictive guy, instead of providing customer service, just shut the device off that he had paid for internet of things man yeah I, it's bad stuff I, I i actually have an issue with this as well because i um i invested in these nest cameras and i uh i went through a whole process of building out uh some some cameras to watch over my house using a raspberry pi and i got a good setup going but when i did all the math the, the whole setup was going to run me around 140 to 160 And these Nest cameras are like $100 a pop. So I'm like, I'm just going to do that. I came to the realization fairly quickly, I don't know why it didn't occur to me sooner, that with these Nest cameras, it's only good as long as you're paying for the additional Nest service. It's like there's no, no way to use the Nest cameras to pump a feed into uh, a storage device you might have at your house. So... I basically paid, I, I think, 300 bucks because I got three of them. I basically paid $300 to continue to pay this company X amount a year to, le- to use the device that I just bought from them. Now, and, yeah, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of research on these cameras myself, and Nest is one of the worst in that their free tier is only good for three hours. So you go to work <laughs> at eight, your house is broken into a 10, you don't have the feed, and when you get home, like, oh, crap. Where there's there's other ones out there that at least give you 24 hours for free, and if you want seven to whatever a month storage, then you have to pay. Over. Now I I was fascinated I, I, by what Logitech does. Logitech sells security monitoring cameras as well, but instead of a service, they so these are just IP cams. So they can't say that this mm-hmm. camera works with a service only because to call it an IP cam, you have to say I can just hook up to it. But what they do is they take the same CMOS sensor and put it in 10 different products and then they install different firmwares in each of the 10 products and charge for each feature uh, one product at a time. So if you want to get the automated audio and video recording to their free cloud service, then you have to buy the $200 version of their camera. But 
if you want just the video feed at its lowest quality, then you can buy the $50 camera. But it's the same sensor. It's the same camera. It's exactly the yeah. same camera except for the housing, which looks sleeker the more you pay for it, and the firmware that they install on it. It's it's really scummy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still I'm still kicking myself over. I, honestly, I didn't even think I didn't even realize the free tier had any um storage capability. I thought that was just a live feed. So so yeah, it's I, I'm still kicking myself over the Nest cams. I I use them and but yeah, I I need to come with another solution. I might go back to my Pi solution and get that cost down some. Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got an IP camera that you can open a port for on your firewall, angelcam.com, which sounds like an adult-oriented site, is actually a pretty good IP cam capture system. Uh, they do I'm writing it down. They do I'm like the market. Yeah, they do like 4 hours or sorry, they do like 4 days of of continuous video recording for free. So, it's a, it's a nice service. I've used it for a while and never had any problems with it except that you just don't get audio and when your problem is your kids fighting with each other in the living room, the audio is important. Yeah, I just at- I actually just use my Nest camera in such a weird way. We have a Nest camera set up in our living room, which it's set up that way because I work from home and in my office, my office is is kind of away from the back sliding glass door. So in the summertime when we have the house closed up because we have the air conditioning on, I set up a Nest camera in our living room so that I can see when Yaz, the office manager here, needed to get out back to go to the bathroom. So I, I played around with it and now it's set up so that if myself and my wife are not home, it kicks on and starts recording. And I just I just had never un I, I never unconfigured it. I, I did it because I was playing around with configuration settings, and I just never un, undid it. And we had uh, we just got a new kitten in the house, and our daughter called us uh, the other day, and she's absolutely beside herself because she was panicking that the kitten had gotten out outside, out the back door. And so I was able to come home. And I remember, I totally forgot that the Nest camera was even running, and it, it occurred to me, I'm like, hey, the camera should have been on. And I was able to pull up the camera and see the back door the whole time. I'm like, oh, yeah, the cat never left the house. It's still in the house somewhere. The cat's still <laughs> inside the house. <laughs> it's still in the house. Run! Yeah, now it's just in the walls. <laughs> that, was a, that was nice. All right, you guys, it's burn time. We're going to jump straight into uh, uh, Doom and Gloom, and I, I'm going to burn through these. You hustle. We recommend LastPass. We discussed this the last two weeks. No, we, no. I think we, we, we all agree it's the best password Everyone here recommends LastPass. Uh, we all nope. are 100% Disagree. behind we that. We discussed, support. I'm sorry, John's mic is doing something weird. There's a buzzing. You can just edit all that yeah, okay, out. I'll just, yeah, I'll just cut fine. that. Just silence uh, yeah. So we discussed a LastPass vulnerability that was discovered. The patches are out. Go ahead and pop up your LastPass extensions. Make sure that you are running at least version 14.4. Yeah, 14.4. No, I'm sorry. 4.1.44 or higher. Uh, fixes the latest big vulnerabilities. I was close. Ish. No, it's funny. We we had a thing at work where I said I said a number like eighty one thirteen, and somebody kept saying, "Why are you saying five numbers? There are only four numbers." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm saying eighty one thirteen. And he's like, "No, you're saying eighty one thirteen." I'm like, it, tri- "It triggered me, man. I, I about went off on this person." So when it just it struck me as funny when you said that. Sorry, you can cut all that. No, no, that's going to be our humorous intro. 
Uh, we, we've talked about this for the last, I think, four weeks now. Um, the FCC's regulations on ISPs being able to collect and sell your data. It's officially been signed by President Donald Trump. Um, so that is now in effect. ISPs can collect your information with uh, without a warrant, I guess we'll call it. Uh, however, in response, we have some great stuff. <laughs> A word or, or your approval, either either way. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, naturally, the leaders of Internet Freedoms, porn companies, have started uh, really beefing up their security in advance of these mm-hmm. kinds of changes. And, yep. you know, stuff like mandatory HTTPS, higher quality certificates, uh, things like that. Now, HTTPS I wanted to get into just for one minute. There is a general misconception about the security of post versus get and i know i'm i'm really preaching to the to the choir here but i want everyone to know that on an https connection your get variables are encrypted mm-hmm. um i i it i spent a lot of time on the internet before i really understood what's going on there but in an https connection anything other than the domain name is going to get securely encrypted and, and passed unreadably to the destination server. Now, that doesn't account for man-in-the-middle attacks, but man-in-the-middle attacks are a different beast. So e- even even the web page you're hitting encrypted? Yeah, even, even the name right. of the destination page is going to be encrypted. So mm-hmm. really, if you're on HTTPS, you're as secure as you're going to get from a VPN. Uh, now... Well... Not exactly, but yeah. You're damn close. I mean, you're in the 99th percentile I mean, the, there. The only reason I say that is with the VPN, it, it takes you away. F- so for me, Cox, right? If I if I go <laughs> Big to... Fan. Big fan of Cox. Cox, Cox Communication, yeah. <laughs> if I go to, like you, said, like you said, a porn site, even if it's HTTPS, they can still see I'm going to NaughtyAmerica.com. Let's say I, I'm sure that's a porn site. They, Someone they there runs that, They can still see I'm yeah. going... I'm going to that.com. They can't see anything about it. Now with a VPN, I I they they couldn't even see that because I'm now doing that traffic from a completely different location. Now that completely different location, if it's being monitored, can see it, but it doesn't know who I am. Right. Because I v, I VPN in into. So it, it's a little different, but I understand what you're saying. Yes, it's it, it is a it is a secure tunnel that you're you're browsing except that you think it's a you think it's a secure yeah you really hope it's a secure tunnel the problem is is that in the wake of all of this legal fallout a lot of fake vpn services have started showing up so i i found this story really fascinating because it, it isn't just about fake vpns it's not just that someone created a fake vpn and they're marketing it to people the issue here is that data from hacked servers back in 2015 and 2014 is being used for very targeted marketing of these fake VPN servers. So back in 2014, Boxy uh, was, Boxy's message board was hacked. And then in 2015, Plex's message board, if you don't know what Plex is, it's a media server. So someone went through and purchased for something around $10, all of the email addresses of the Plex forum users. And then crafted an email that said, hey, this is, you know, Brian with the Plex Media team. We wanted to let you know that in the wake of all this legal stuff, we've launched a VPN service. Since you're a Plex customer, we wanted to assure you that your data is safe, etc., etc. So it's it's almost spear phishing in its 
well-written, targeted nature. They're they're doing they're they're taking the data of where this hacked information came from and using it along with their nefarious services. Um, you know, and I, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we said it last week. If if you run into a suspicious email, don't open it. But this is a sort of a new level of attack that takes something that shouldn't be suspicious and piggybacks on that and says, hey, yeah, buy our service. We're with Plex and you're a Plex member. So just because somebody knows that you're a member of some service doesn't mean that they're with that service. Don't trust inherently. Uh, with a little research, it, you know, it's easy to find out that these are fake VPN services there was no actual VPN service to connect to, but by then you've already sent your money. So if you're going to use oh, a VPN, so they didn't even set they didn't even set up one. Yeah, I assume they were actually setting up a VPN and then just taking all your stealing all your data. In this case, they weren't. In this case, they hadn't even set up a VPN to bounce anything through. They just took your credit card number under the assumption of twenty four ninety five a year and ran away with your credit card number. So they they escalated from having your email address to having your credit card number. Um, but they, they did a surprising amount of work aside from setting up a real VPN. They set up an 800 number, uh, a reliable sounding domain name with an HTTPS certificate. It just didn't point anywhere. Once you finally got everything subscribed, they said, yeah, now your, your connection's secure. Thumbs up. We did it for <laughs> you. Don't worry. It's a, it's a, it's a hands-free. No, it's not. No. Um, but, but I did, I did want to say on this, on the sides of the story, I don't really recommend a VPN system. I don't really recommend VPNs for safeguarding your information. To me, it is just adding another point of failure. I would recommend running something like NoScript, running something like uBlock Origin, uh, preventing cookies, and then ensuring that you're on secure connections. If you're on a secure connection, odds are you're safe. You're you're safe to a point. I mean. You, your ISP is still collecting information about where you're going. To an extent, Not what you're looking at. They're on the catching site, your but, domain name, but it's from right. from the and, way and, and, things are now. It's hard to also, make assumptions off domain name. Also, you've you've totally brushed over your remote workers who work from coffee shops and things like that, where a VPN is almost mandatory nowadays. Um, that's really the only time I use my VPN is when I'm not at home. I, if I'm at home, I understand the implement of my ISP being able to grab data. And I, I'm not happy with it, but I'm not going to stay on a VPN 24-7 either. Um, but when, I, when I'm when i outside the house... You'll just live with the hand lotion ads popping up everywhere? Exactly. <laughs> uh, they, they pop up now, man. I, I, I subscribe to some of those. Targeted advertising. If, if, I, if I leave the house, even if I'm going to another person's house... Uh, I'll I'll pop on the VPN. See, and, and I'm again, the paranoid one. It, I'm the tinfoil hat. Well, and so for things like the Amazon Web Services, where we've got firewalls locked down, you know, I, I can I can create access from the VPN. So I I never know what IP address I'm going to be at. I, I go to a coffee shop in Arizona. I don't know what the IP address is, but I hop on my VPN, and now I have access to my network that's locked down. So there's definitely legitimate needs for it and if you're technically inclined you can create your own vpn pretty easily which mitigates one of the yeah. biggest problems with vpns which is performance latency stuff like that yeah so we, we've we have a company vpn and uh, we give search to any developer who who wants an account i promised you guys we're going to end on an upbeat note and okay. in this in this era 
of fake news and questionable reporters, or at least editors and owners, I am really proud of citizen journalists. We have we have two great stories of citizen journalism this week. Uh, th- the first is high school journalists. So we have a high school journalism team who got a new principal and said, "Hey, let's let's do a, a story about our new principal, about where our principal comes from, what her credentials are." But in looking into things, it didn't quite make sense. So after a little bit of digging, it turns out that their new principal had faked her credentials. So a few, uh, I believe, weeks after being hired, the principal was forced to resign, admitting that the credentials were not necessarily from legitimate sources and that she was not, in fact, qualified to be a school principal. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I am so proud of, of this. I'm so proud of student journalists doing real journalistic work that affects them in a real way. I was a student journalist... I I think this is the best kind of work, and it it's indicates a bright future for journalism in America. So you guys talk about the Wired one because I can't look at that one because they don't like people who have ad block software. So oh, you have the wrong ad block me, then. They, yeah, I'm sure I do. But what the hell does it say? Well, Arduino hired a new CEO, and it looks like his academic record might be fudged as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope John never looks into my past. <laughs> Uh, so, this is this is another journalists doing journalist work. Um, Arduino, which which has a really strong proud history, uh, hired a new CEO, Frederico Musto. And is this Arduino? Is this the Arduino that that's the the microcontroller? The yeah yeah. This is that yeah. This is that. So, uh, Musto was uh, brought in recently. However. Investigators quickly started looking into his claim of a PhD. Uh, his PhD apparently coming from MIT. However, MIT records do not have him listed. Now, that's not conclusive. Of course, records can be wrong, but uh, it is a developing story. He hasn't yet resigned, but I think we can expect it any day now. And it reminds me so much of, of uh, Radio Shack. Radio Shack? Oh, yeah. How does it remind you of Radio Shack? Because Radio Shack hired a president of the company who had 100% fabricated his credentials, had never gone to college, had just list, just just written a resume, sent it to them, and they accepted it at, as it was. And made him CEO? Made him CEO. <laughs> and he ended up retiring with $2.5 million because that was part of his contract for hire. Oh, God. And then oddly enough... I need to work on my contract. Yeah, oddly enough, oh, they went out of business resume. shortly later. And then... This month went out of business again. He went out of business again. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think I have a I still have a Radio Shack here in Poway. I need to see if he's still there. I know he made it through the first the out of business thing. It's a uh, independently owned Radio Shack, so he claims that he does well enough in business that he he he's fine. So I I wasted a lot of my childhood between Radio Shack and comic book store. Man, I tell you, those two I places. Well, Radio I Shack had wasted. the robot arm thing that you could control. I had one of those robot arm Every, things. That's yeah, the best. I still, I think I still have it. Actually, I think it's up in my out in my garage. I love that thing. Here's here's my here's my life. I watched a half hour was, YouTube video. It was my video. first girlfriend. <laughs> that might explain the wow. YouTube what video. Are we, are I we like at two hours? Into I watched this a thing? half hour YouTube video of a man restoring 
a Radio Shack robot arm. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, yep. what did I tell you? I told you, upbeat news. Citizen journalism. Know your journalists. That was, that was up, upbeat news to you. You you really yeah. should look at to the definition That's of upbeat news. Expulsion of the bourgeoisie. Hey, Eric. John. Eric, I, I want to go to a baseball game this season. I spent... Because yeah, he's not allowed to go to Ultimate Frisbee anymore. <laughs> I spent... I spent an hour today watching some YouTube clips of like amazing plays. Yeah, now has me wanting to go. I think uh, Diego Dev needs uh, season tickets, man. Well, that's that's the trick is you have to look at the year that each one of those amazing plays was because it's one a year. No, it's not. Every every year is great. Okay, guys. Well, that was a very long show. I'm so happy to hear that Thomas has taken. Don't say it's a long show. I'm going to cut it down. That was an excellent show. It was a great show. Lots of uh, coding talk. I I felt we we had been going away from talking about coding and getting more into the news stuff, and I, I don't. It wasn't what I was looking for. Eric so. doesn't like the doom Happy and gloom. I don't like that. We need to cut. Yeah, we'll cut that down a little bit more next time. <laughs> okay, everyone. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the show up. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Episode 56 of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter, you can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.